This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Welcome to another Cravings podcast with Pete Dillon online at joy.org.au forward slash cravings and live Saturdays from 1pm on Joy 94.9 in Melbourne. Exploring all that's finest in food and beverage across Melbourne and Victoria. Sponsored by La Spaghettata. Over 35 years of food, family and fun at 238 Ligon Street, Carlton. Wine and dine with La Spaghettata for an authentic Italian experience. Pasta, wine, seafood, steak and so much more. Dine in and enjoy the authentic sights and sounds of Ligon Street. Or order takeaway now via Deliveroo, Uber Eats or Fedora. Eat, drink, love with La Spaghettata. Call 9663-6102. Visit laspaghettata.com.au or find them on Facebook. Hello, boys and girls. Um, I'm back for another scintillating hour of food and booze talk. Lord knows I've had enough of it over the Christmas season, as I'm sure you have too. So I've chosen, I've taken it upon myself to contact a couple of my mates and say, hey, listen, we need to talk about what's going to happen in 2017. I have two of those such people and uh, a little bit of a preview of of some of the talent that's coming to Melbourne for 2017 as well. All that and more between now and 2pm. We are indeed talking cravings. Good afternoon. Six and a half minutes past one. My name is Pete Dillon. Uh, Tad Lombardo is not with me in the studio. He is currently still in the United States. He'll be back in the chair with me next week as we take you on another culinary journey somewhere around the country or indeed the city. And you'll forgive me, I've got a shocking hay fever all of a sudden. So uh, work with me on that as we go through a program today that looks at some of those and I don't want to use the word trends or fads or all of that. You're probably all done with kale and quinoa and all of that sort of stuff. So we're going to look at some of the things that we might see influencing restaurants this year. Um, whether you go and eat at a local cafe, whether you're somebody who relies almost entirely on Uber Eats for your sustenance and nourishment, or in fact, if you're um, somebody who likes to be right up there with all of the latest happenings in the world of food and booze, we're going to cover those today. Hilary McNevin is a freelance writer and commentator, broadcaster, good bird, old mate of mine, and she, uh, she and I are going to talk a little bit about some of those food trends that may occur across 2017 or beyond. Uh, I know a couple of years ago we were talking about Peruvian and kimchi and Korean influence and all of that. So we're going to have a little bit of a look at some of those things that, you know, is is kale here or not? Uh, where are the influences going to come from? Is it places like, uh, we've seen influences in wine from places like Georgia, which is one of the former states of the USSR. So all of those uh, trendy sort of things that have come out of food. We look predominantly to Europe and the US for this influence and things that have taken off in the last little while, being a global population, uh, Twitter and, and Internet and Facebook and all of those things allows chefs to to share a wonderful um, repertoire of knowledge and skill and new things and old things. So um, we're, we're quite excited by how quickly information can be shared and therefore we are very much on trend with what's happening around the world. The biggest thing, of course, to happen in Melbourne this year will be the arrival of the San Pellegrino Top 50 Chefs for the first time ever being held in Australia and we know that there's... Uh, a pretty good contingent. I think there's a, a something like eighty plus percent of 
those top 50 chefs are going to be in Melbourne. So it's going to be in a very exciting time at the end of March and into April to be right here in our fair city and indulging in food. So Hilary McNevin will be one of those people that um, we'll talk a little bit about. And once we get towards the end of the program today, we'll rehash a little visit to a fellow from a restaurant in Peru called Central. We met him at the end of last year, you and I, and... uh, He's a former pro skateboarder and all sorts of things. He relies on shamans and high priests for influence. A very interesting young man by the name of Virgilio Martinez. We're going to revisit that chat that we had with him late last year when he was here for Good Food Month with Ben Shuri at Attica. So we'll talk, we'll, we'll revisit that. You and I will have pop the feet up, make a cup of tea. Um, we're also going to chat to Mike Benny. Mike is one of the foremost wine writers in Australia. He is right on the button of things that are happening, trending around the world in the world of wine and beverage. Uh, he and I will have a, and you and I will have a bit of a chat, I beg your pardon, with Mike and ask some of those questions about some of the wine influences or some of those new varietal influences we might see. I think there are th- going to be things like Grillo. You may never have heard of Grillo. It's a, a Sardinian uh, great variety that's normally used to make uh, masala of all things but Grillo on its own there's a couple being made here in Australia and they are exceptional Saparavi which comes from Georgia again we mentioned mentioned Georgia the former state of the USSR um uh, part of the what is now Russia it's a little country south of Russia our good friend Alice Zaslavsky is from Georgia and uh, Saparavi is a wine that's coming out of their big inky, dark, red, almost black wine. So Mike's going to give us a bit of a hint on some of the things that we might be able to look forward to in 27 as well. We've got all that to come. I'm going to be flying solo today, so you'll bear with me as uh, as I wander through the hour with Hilary McNevin, Mike Benny and Virgilio Martinez. But first, we must tend to our administration. You are here on Cravings with me, Pete Dillon, on Australia's only gay and lesbian radio station, Joy 94.9. You're listening to a Joycast from GLBTIQ community radio station, Joy 94.9. Do call us, uh, 1300-JOY-949, or do send a message, 0427-JOY-949, email on air at joy.org.au. I'm very curious to know what trends you would like to see in food. Is there something that you found, something you discovered something that you think we should be bringing back um i did watch a program the other day where somebody made a rice pudding and uh it's a very long time since i've eaten the rice pudding there's probably a reason for that but somebody who may enlighten us on whether rice pudding is in fact one of those things we might see this year is the ever delightful and super knowledgeable hillary mcnevin she joins us good afternoon my dear hi pete how are you happy new year happy new year to you as well has it started well actually thank you i've had some time away and been with my family and all lovely so oh, no, were, how were, about you were you oh, in queensland though did you go i to... did pop up to queensland oh. i did pop up for christmas time i was back before new year oh we could have waved so... one another we were very close by oh really well, i was in brisbane yes so, so was i've had a couple of weeks in, in a couple of weeks in queensland i was in brisbane and the gold coast and noosa and brisbane's beautiful very dry southwest off air, off air for a little while and talk about that. Oh, we, we can, let's, let's do that after the show. Let's do it after the show. Yes, let's. And um, you're currently in regional Victoria for the day? Yes, yeah, for the, over for the weekend and back back tomorrow. So it's thinking hot wherever we turn, Dale. Well, hot. I'll wave on my way past. I'm heading out to Ballarat this afternoon. I think you're somewhere. I oh, know you're a bit further on. A bit further on. Yeah, never mind. Okay, yes. Yes, so have yes. fun. What's in Ballarat? What's in the rat? Oh, friends of mine have got a farm, so we're going to have a pickled onion on the lanai and a cup of cold drinks and look at the view. It's going to be oh, very beautiful. pleasant. Mm. Beautiful. So one of the things I wanted to pick your brains about, and we've probably got 20 or so minutes to do this, so let, let's, let's okay. go nuts. Um, we talk each year about what's going to be the food trend or the food fad of the year, and I know we've looked in the past at things like a couple of years ago we were all going mad for Peruvian and, and Korean food, and I'm wondering if there's anything that's on your radar, and I'm not talking about specific ingredients or, or cuisines, but is there anything that's on your radar? Well, there is, and it's kind of broader than just saying Peruvian, but if I can go back a step, Pete, on that note, I was actually wondering, you know, um, and this is Sydney-based, actually, this is more of a national um, curiosity, a question I have, or observation. Paul Carmichael, who has one, you know, um, from Momofoku Suez. Yes, yes, in, yes. If I've pronounced that correctly. And his Caribbean background. I'm wondering, and also, I guess that's a Central American 
theme. So I'm actually wondering if we're going to see more foods from Central America, so obviously north of Peru, but still in that sort of the, the Nicaragua, North Guatemala. Mm. And we'll get a little bit more heading towards... I'm wondering if these are sort of going to be burgeoning trends, a bit more of the authentic, authentic Mexican food rather than, you know, just what we think, tacos and burritos mm. and enchiladas, different types of things. So in terms of actually saying a cuisine, I wonder if his influence, because it, I believe it's going to grow as in the profile that he's brought to Caribbean cuisine in Australia, can only grow and, and mm. can only create a little bit more of curiosity and expose other chefs to actually trying the things that he might have grown up with or a second nature to him. Yeah, look, I, I think it's a really in- interesting observation and I don't think it's one that will be lost on Melbourne either. We're actually seeing, um, we've seen over the last couple of years the, the huge influence or the huge growth of, of southern southern style food from the south of the United yes. States, um, from the Carolinas yeah. down, where we're sort of seeing a lot of barbecue and smoking and brisket. And those things have always sat on the fringe, but they've become very, very um, popular. I know you co-wrote a, a book particularly about um, yeah. about that. And we've seen, you know, oh, things like barbecue, fa- yeah, mm, things like Fancy Hanks where um, up in smoke over in, in the inner west. So we're seeing a, that's becoming almost mainstream now. And I'm wondering whether your thoughts, and I think they're actually correct, is that um, Central American slash Caribbean style of, of influence where it's it's lots of beautiful spices and there's a little bit of heat coming out from Chile, a lot of brown sugar used in that region as well. So maybe yeah, that's... Yeah, exactly. Mm. And you look at um, ceviche as well and um, mm. the use of seafood, which you know is something I care about a lot because that's another trend I'd love to... I think is slowly happening using... I'd like to see more... Um, Fish heads, which in some cultures, are, you know, fish head soup is a very common place dish in, in um, some Chinese cuisine, things like that. But I'd love to see, you know, barramundi cheeks used more, heads used more, skeletons of fish used mm. more. And also still, and I've been saying this to you for years, Pete, smaller fish yes. used more often. So mullet, sardines, even leather jacket. Bring Put the leather jacket on and beautiful... Um, I guess we're getting monkfish from New Zealand at the moment, which is kind of interesting. Mm. But I keep yearning for those little, you know, gorgeous fried sardine skeleton, and their bones might sound odd, but they crunch and they're beautiful and they add texture to a dish. Mm. So I just, in terms of seafood and then that, I guess, like you were saying, you're one of your guests, the chef, whose name slipped my mind, I'm sorry. Virgilio Martinez from Central oh, in Peru. I'll just let you say it. Oh, it's gorgeous. <laughs> but um, Virgilio, let, like, you know, talking to him about the whole idea of seafood and the utilisation of different seafoods in ceviche, you know, and what he, I would love, I look forward to hearing what he thinks in in terms of that, because we do need to eat, diversify our choices in seafood, and I know restaurants and chefs are slowly doing that, mm. but um, I also really am excited, and well, when you mentioned before about Korean food, and yes, I remember a couple of years ago talking about that, I think things like bibimbap is really the new fried rice, you know, oh, we're going to just... see that a lot more. Mm. Uh, well, it is really, and it's going to just become, it's very much part of our our vernacular, is, uh, like fried rice and spring rolls. We're even going to learn how to say that word. I, I can't say it. It's, it's, wine, it's hilarious. <laughs> hey, um, I've, I've actually done a bit of a troll through the net, and I'm gonna. I've got a bit of a list, and I would love your your thoughts on on all of these things that I found across my my internet trolling. Hilary McNevin, of course, okay. is my guest. She is um, a freelance food writer, commentator, book author, very very talented woman. There's nothing she can't do, really. Oh, except cartwheels. I've I'd never seen. You, I've never seen you do a cartwheel. Oh. So there we go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, pasta is is making a return, and yes. pasta made yes. from ancient grains rather than just normal old, you know, flour. Um, where freaker flour and is is that something you think might happen? I think it's already happening. People, yeah. you know, if you look at even beautiful classic Italian dishes that use chickpea flour and and things like that. But what I also our love affair of pasta will never stop. I no, think if I um, put it, I oh, know it's not good for my, for my, <laughs> let's not talk weight. It's a beautiful dish. Screw that. And, um, yeah. And, the size of a small house at the moment. Um, <laughs> I think um, that put it back on the map in terms of just really beautiful quality. When you've got a classically trained chef who knows how to do a reduction and knows how to make a great pasta and, and treat a piece of protein or the vegetable properly. There's just there's, the synergy of the dishes at, at Tipo are, are extraordinary, which made us all in Melbourne anyway go hello. Mm. Pasta, pasta can be good again. again. So mm. 
things like that. We're going to see other things, you know, the other cuts like Cesarecci and Tagliolini and, and things like that, I think, more and more. So we won't just have spaghetti fettuccine or linguine ravioli. As long as it, I can still become... find a good gnocchi gorgonzola, I'm happy. They, well, gnocchi and that's still, I, um, still a hard dish to find. I'm not going to say where, but I did have the worst gnocchi dish of the year last year in the inner north of Melbourne and my children as you know their dad's Italian yes. and the chefs and they're lucky to know what good gnocchi is and it was it was like glue Peter it all stuck together was it, it in a restaurant like, that was, you're willing to name or not no not today okay we'll keep that <laughs> one off the record about making making gnocchi but another time but mm. gnocchi still it, what it reminded me was that there is such an art to making good gnocchi there and is. good pasta Indeed. and I um and I don't want and I just it's great that people are appreciating it again, and with our need and our love of seasonal local produce, the combinations of that is great. Very good. Now, I want to talk I about think an exciting peasant food because across my research, I've come up with a variety of, of um, peasant foods that we may see this year. One is called kachapuri. Um, it's mm-hmm. it's from Georgia, which is the former not the U.S. state, but the former state of the USSR, yes. and it's made with bread and cheese and eggs. Um, yes. Asian peasant food, and by Asian I mean from the western part of Asia, so more of the influence of um, some of the the Muslim parts of western China. There's things like pierogies and dumplings and those sorts of things. Yeah, that, beautiful. Um, okonomiyaki, which is a Japanese savoury pancake, which is generally street food. Um, yes, love that. Um, and and so there's there's a number of these um, these sort of peasant style foods that seem to be dominating the the searches across um across the interweb. So yeah, but I think I think Pete at the end of the day that's and perhaps what the the, the styles or the, uh, many of the, the dishes you mentioned just there are not dishes we are familiar with in Melbourne, like mm. where you and I live. But the thing is, they are exactly what you're saying. They're um, peasant food. They're mm. people, food that people used up leftovers and used up um, ingredients or just used what they had in the cupboard, which is where a lot of the foundation of really great food comes from. If you look with um, pasta with sugo, or like you talked about gnocchi, you know, the, the, the basic ingredients are so simple, and flour and eggs. And the, what I love about the dishes you're talking about, and if we still, if peasant food, our desire for it, I suppose, to find cheap and affordable but delicious and relevant snacks and dishes isn't going away. What I like is that we're actually heading out to other cultures, if you will, mm. and actually trying to keep them being ethnically relevant and ethically, ethically and uh, responsible. And we've, we've got to have some integrity around that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So I love the fact that um, I just looked up Chachapuri. She will tell us how to say it properly. And, um, but, you know, I look at that and I think, well, that just looks delicious. And I'm, I'm sure her mother has made that for her a million times. Oh, and probably. it's something that... Mm. Yeah, you know, and I just think, well, let's more of that and more, let's hopefully open our minds to more um, mm. food that we can afford that's not that's healthy for us, Pete, because we're still, none of us are getting skinnier. The, the obesity problem <laughs> is still No, we're you not. Know? We're not. And you know, I think that... that... I, I said sister, I'm, and I just wonder what, if we if we look at these lovely simple dishes, that yes, they're a source of energy, and we just... They're not. That's not junk food. That's that's beautiful, simply made food. Correct. And one of one of the other big trends that I'm seeing is the. And this might help with with our waistlines, mine and yours both. Um, uh-huh. Is is um, the meatless sort of food. So starting to think about environmentally conscious, health conscious, sort of animal friendly dining. Um, yes. And one of the one of the obvious things was was jackfruit. So becoming a, a popular substitute for meat. Um, yes. eating a lot more things like dragon fruit, which is from Asia, very close to us. And um, it's sort of the new, I don't know how to say this word, whether it's acai or achai, A-C-A-I, the new antioxidant acai, thing. Acai, can acai, someone um, tell us? Acai is a beer. My daughter has a way of saying it. When I say it, she laughs at me and goes, I'm so not cool. <laughs> Sounds like arse. Acai, but food bowl, yeah. Um, and also... So, um, Souping, you know, we were going through that whole stupid Nutribullet smoothie thing. Well, we're now, it's going to be all about fruit soups, apparently. So sort of looking at that whole meatless, environmentally health conscious sort of stuff, we're going to look at, 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 at fruits in places of protein and, and having a lot of fruit well, I soup. I jack fruit as, instead of pulled pork in a dish that, that someone asked me to try for vegan. Mm. I'm, I'm, and it was delicious. It was, mm, I was really taken aback. I was quite reluctant to take it aback. But you know what, Pete, this is... As I can get on a soapbox every now and again, but what worries me about I, I, I agree with you. There, there's going to and look beef broth. We're going to see more soups. Definitely, beef broth has taken 
you know, extended from its paleo sort of beginnings, even though it's just brought... Thanks, Pete. It's been around for centuries. <laughs> and um, <laughs> uh, has sort of lurked into this, this mainstream realm, but also... Um, which, which is great to see us eat gazpacho and beautiful other cool vegetable soups mm. or chilled vegetable soups. Or chilled hot melon dogs. soups. And I'm all... Yeah, melon soup is lovely. But what... If I can go back a step, what I'd love to see... If I say people like you and me, food media, I, what I would love to see people writing about this year is the soil from which all this stuff comes. Yeah, So if what. we can't... Yeah, well, yeah, and the quality of the soil. Because I have, I've read recently, and something that's coming up for this year, is, yes, things are... It's the word regeneration rather than sustainability. Mm. But the soil needs to be regenerated. It needs to be healthy and constantly maintained to grow all the vegetables and everything else, that meats and everything we're talking about. And if we don't... If we neglect soil, which is easy to do in, the, in a world of climate change, we're going to... We need... To people obviously encourage people more and more who are doing it already to grow their own vegetables, but also in a, in a larger scheme of things, understand soil and understand how we need to look after the earth literally. Does that make sense, or am I? Yeah, going no, no, it? no. You're right, and we've seen it in wine. We've seen a very big focus on terroir in wine. We saw yes. the dish that that Ben Shiri became quite known for was the potato grown in the soil from which it it, it was grown, oh, yes. served in that. And I yes. think I think you're right, and it sort of does lead to some of these other trends that I've got. I need to play a couple of quick messages, Hill. I wonder if you'd stay with us, and I'll play these messages and come back to you. Cool. Uh, Hilary McNevin is my guest. She's a food writer, commentator, broadcaster, author, and all round good bird. Uh, she joins me on the phone. We are looking at some of the trends that she's cheap that might (laughs) influence us in 2017. You're on Cravings, you're on Joy 94.9, 27 minutes past one. Cravings will be back shortly, so don't go too far. But if you do miss anything, you'll hear it on the Cravings podcast at joy.org.au forward slash cravings via iTunes or your favourite podcast site. Sponsored by La Spaghettata. Over 35 years of food, family and fun at 238 Ligon Street, Carlton. Wine and dine with La Spaghettata for an authentic Italian experience. Pasta, wine, seafood, steak and so much more. Eat, drink, love with La Spaghettata. Call 9 663-6102 or find them on Facebook Your community is our business Joy 94.9 Yes indeed it is It is 29 minutes past one You're on Cravings here on Joy 94.9 My name is Pete Dillon uh, 0427-JOY-949 I did put the call out before I'm interested to know what trends you think Or what you would like to see trend in the world of food Maybe you like a good bread and butter pudding Made with leftover Christmas panettone Maybe you're a, fa- a fan of the Aberdeen sausage That's going to test my guest's knowledge uh, Or you can email onair at joy.org.au 0427-JOY-949 is the text Or you can tweet to cravingsjoy949 Hilary McNevin is a food writer, broadcaster, commentator and a fabulous dancer. Uh, she joins me on the phone to talk oh, about some of these trends. Hey, um, uh, Aberdeen Sausage, are you familiar? No, but I'm thinking it's Scottish. Uh, kind of, yeah. So it's um, it's made with a lot of breadcrumbs and stuff and sort of compressed into a steamer. My mother used to make it. I thought it was quite ghastly. Oh, then. really? But it's making it. It's, yeah. Everything old is new again. <laughs> you know? So I haven't, I actually, it's, it, it, Got bacon and, and mince. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll make, I'll make. Is it another one of those like we're talking peasant dishes? Just Very much so. The mm. leftovers, ground the meat. Mm. Yep. Let's cook it. Stick a bit of tongue in it or something. Because I haven't been. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. A few leftovers, a few second cuts. Indeed, but or tertiary cuts, or the lips and the bums. That? Sorry. Yeah, where have you been served that? Oh, my mother served it in the seventies, but uh, oh, everyone I talked to saying, "Oh my God, Aberdeen sausage that should come back." Now, well, I want to talk about... Mince on um, toast come back? You sorry? Know, <laughs> maybe it mince on toast. That reminds me of being like, you know, should mince on toast come back? Strange Sa- savory mince with a fried egg on the top. Savory mince. Oh, my God. My mother always put curry powder Stop in it. it. Teaspoon of curry powder in oh, the mince. Keen's curry powder. My word. That or Keen's mustard. It's all we lived on. Hey, um, one of the other <laughs> trends that I've discovered that we're looking forward to this year um, yes. is, is scent in a restaurant. So... Um, I'm, I don't know if you've travelled in France, but there's there's sort of some burning herbal scents on your table or beneath your dishes or or, or beneath okay. your dessert. So you know that that sort of almost a little bit hesitant getting those flavours under yes. um, under those glass domes and things like a, a cloche. Um, 
good. And then also um, having some scented compressed sawdust. So keeping with that environmentally friendly idea, but scented yeah. compressed sawdust in um, in the open fire in the restaurants, which certainly makes a bit of a a scenty sort of thing in as well. Uh, like a like an earthy kind of yeah. Well, wood. there's just like something you, that's like in... you've got an open false open, so open fire smell. Kind mm. of that's what we're heading for. No, no, no. But it's I actually in the open fire. It's compressed sawdust rather than wood, so we're not burning lumps of wood. And the compressed sawdust okay. is is like a briquette almost, but but it's scented. Yeah. So you could have a... Scented a, with what kind of smell? Is it well, with? I don't think you're going to put uh, lavender in it, but you would certainly... <laughs> if you think of those things that burn well, like hickory and apple and, and those kinds yeah. of woods, and this sawdust is, is, is scented. So I think it all sounds rather spectacular. Well, I think it's great in the sense of, of course, it would all be designed very well to, if, it, if a dish had part of, part of its element was the scent. Of course, that's part of the flavour and the whole sensory experience. So... Um, it actually sounds quite beautiful if it's done tastefully. Correct. And as you say, it's mm. not um, vanilla or lavender or or something else. Cappuccino. Lemon, lemon fresh. <laughs> you know. Febreze. We're, we're flavouring with Febreze. <laughs> <laughs> but the whole idea of the sensory explosion of a beautiful dining experience, I, I love it. More yes, of it. indeed. And bring on the smells. And, and and going along with that, we're going to eat more dark stuff. So smoked, charred, dark roasted, um, dark foods like black rice. Um, these things are going to sort of eke their way into our, our, our culinary and repertoire as well. And black garlic's been around for a while. And I'm it? in love but with it. it. And it's a wonderful flavour. Mm. It's, um, but it's also, and squid ink, I know I'm say, it's ob- stating the obvious, but always that it's a commonly known ingredient. But um, it's likely to see more and more of that used too. Again, Calamari is such a sustainable thing to eat, and mm. you know it's fast, fast, fast reproduction. And squidding actually gives things such a beautiful colour, but also such that lovely, slightly, slight salty flavour. Yeah, almost zinky. That, um, mm. Yeah, it's just wonderful. So yeah, dark, dark food. It's, I'm not sure. Well, the blue, the blue drinks and things like that, the blue coffee, <sighs> and the green bread, match of bun. mushroom coffee. <sighs> uh, I, they're all, yeah, they're all. That's all a bit sort of flash in the pan. It's silly all stuff. More for. Mm. I think I, what I like too, Pete, about the um, trends we're talking about, like like the fact of appreciating great pasta, is French is making its own um, beautiful comeback. You know, good yes. classic French food, yes. and um, with um, Florence's new place on Flinders Lane, out there. Bill just doing what he does so well on um, just off Collins Street and doing it simply. And very simply, and um, and the rotisserie chicken. It's comfort food, but I wonder. I often, when you look at food and trends, and I, I personally, anyway, look at what's going on in the world and what are we all yearning for. And I think with the big question marks that lie over the change in government next year in the states and, mm. and what's going on, it makes complete sense to me that we're seeking out nice fresh vegetables and really good comfort food and classic flavors we know, mm. maybe in a slightly different way, as a different kind of pasta or a different. Terrine or a terrine made from a pig that of, of from a producer we know about, or something mm. like that. Yep. But they're still very nurturing and comforting flavours, and I think that's something that we'll see more. There's more French restaurants. I don't think would go astray. How about that? I think French. that's great. Tell me, Hilary McNiven, your thoughts on flavoured butter. Oh, oh. Um, context, Pete. I think mo- well, so many things. You know, chefs are, for years have been creating sort of compounds with, you know, a seaweed butter or a yuzu butter or a yeah. Abba bloody Sinian bloody butter. <laughs> Six blind nun butter, yeah. Exactly. Yes, or, the, you know, with that beautiful Japanese pepper and that sort of stuff compounded in the butter that, that's actually going to be yeah. readily available to consumers to sl- spread on a bit of tip top white. Well, I. I think, well, again, I'll go to the word context. Is when it's served within the context, it's meant to, if you go to Town Mouse and you have a beautiful sesame butter with yes. that insanely good bread, you know, that they make, but you could only just eat the bread and you'd be happy. That's just beautiful because it's slightly salty and it gets your taste buds going and you're, you're anticipating the next stages of the meal. And um, but, and I remember, well, you and I both catering college <laughs> people from years ago, cafe, you know, um, Paris butter. Cafe de Paris. Cafe de Paris butter, mm. you know. So, yeah, of course. And we'd make it and slice and roll it up with wax paper and slice it. Put, on, put, put it all on that bloody chopped curly so parsley in it. Not, <laughs> so it's not um, a new idea. It's just as long as it's done within the context of what's being put in front of you and not just, oh, look, we've just got, like we said, a crazy, a crazy combination because that 
is so that when butter is good, like Pepisaya or the or there's a good cultured butter, you don't want to destroy its flavour. You know, the mm. milk that's been used in that. And the, the yeah, stuff that Naomi's doing up in um, up in the King Valley Dairy, their, their butter is beautiful. Sorry, King Valley Dairy as mm. well. Mm. Her, her butter is amazing. So I think um, flavoured butters, yeah, they have a place, but um, I think it's about being careful where the place is used. Indeed. Now, um, newish restaurant concepts, are you familiar with poke bowls? I, I have seen them online. <laughs> <laughs> I've eaten them. We get the I Uber eats them. So there's there's already a couple of places in Melbourne doing poke bowls. I I do occasionally yes. Uber eats one into the office. Um, yes, they seem to be everywhere, and it's sort of it's not this fusion thing, but it's like Hawaii bumped into Japan, or Hawaii yes. sort of bumped into this Nikkei cuisine idea, and um, yes. we're putting it in a bowl, and it's supposed to be healthy, and of course it's all bloody white rice, so it's not really healthy at all. But it seems oh, everyone's so having it's white rice, but it's raw fish and, and there's some sesame oil and chili pepper and oh, soy and that kind of thing. potatoes on it if you want. I mean, there's there's not much you can't have with it. I've been ordering one with chicken and black sesame. It's quite delish, but... Oh! Mm. So there's... Okay, so it can, doesn't have to be raw fish. No, it doesn't. So it's sort of so, like... It's like someone's unwrapped the sushi and thrown it into a bowl and thrown in a bit of cabbage and decorated it nicely. Yeah, I think um, it will... Sounds like it will become a trend. It will be maybe the next fried rice slash bibimbap slash pokey in two years' time. Yeah, Do you know maybe, what I mean? It's, like, it's cold. Because, because if it's something... Yeah, but in this kind of weather, it sounds it, could, it sounds delightful. Mm. I would actually... It's Hawaiian. Um, I, you I, heard I, it here first, Hilary McNevin, pokey bowls. It's Hawaiian. We're, we're, we're going <laughs> to love them. Hey, um, and... and t- well, Teetotalism. Now, I'm not sure if you're more familiar with this, but, you know, those teetotalers, people who don't or can't drink. But there's this new idea that we're going to be drinking more and more infused and flavoured teas and matching them with food like we match wine or we've matched cold brew coffee or, you know, there's a bloody water sommelier somewhere in Los Angeles who's got about 38 different types of water you can have with your dinner. What a pile of tosh. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that's things a little bit too far. I am all for, believe it or not, you know, sometimes not having alcohol, so that's great. And that's, that's, I, but what I think is, once, um, once every two months on a Thursday, yes. Yeah, yeah there you go. But, um, when I, it's funny, when I don't have alcohol, like if I have an AFD, I will always have tea and lots of different types of tea just to keep myself distracted. But yes. tea and tea is a wonderful thing. Well, green tea in, in a Chinese restaurant, you know, it's... um. Or Chinese tea, I should say, when you're, in, when you're in a Chinese restaurant, it's just, you know, part of the course. It's it's like eating, drinking tea with your with your food. Yes, is I love tea. Not I'd, unusual. I'd, I'd have, I'm so happy with a cup of tea. Um, I'd love actually, perhaps if we saw more mainstream sort of restaurants that weren't Chinese or Japanese offering tea like that. In you know, in, in the terms of would you would you like tea instead of wine or something. That could be something Don't be really ridiculous. Don't be ridiculous. Why not? Um, now, I've got a message Why here. Why not? That's all. I, I, didn't you ring me to say, things yes. to, to say some ridiculous things? Yes. I'd like to see someone do that. Hi, I don't know. Hi, Craven. I'm going to get back to you. Love your show. <laughs> now, this, this, this listener, Lance in Frankston, thank you, would love to see a lot more Indigenous restaurants in Melbourne professionally run uh, and preferably run by Aboriginal Aussies. Aboriginal people know what good food is and have just as much to offer as anyone else in the colouring world. I agree. We have probably three or four well-known Indigenous chefs in this country. Very healthy lean meats and flavours. Us Melbournes, uh, Melburnians are seriously missing out on. Charcoal Lane in Gertrude Street Fitzroy is, as far as I know, a not-for-profit and, frankly, it's sensational. So thank you, Lance. Lance wants to see more Indigenous foods. And I think we've seen Kylie Kwong and, and Neil Perry play a little bit with things like Warrigal Greens and that sort of stuff and start to bring some of those Indigenous... More and, more. Mm. and there's Andrew Fielke, who's as white as the driven snow in uh, in South Australia, who's a, a, a great proponent of Indigenous ingredients, as is Jock Zonfrio um, yes, from Arana, exactly. who's got access to communities that white people, white Australians, never get access to, and he's a, a feckin' Scotsman. Um, well, so, I actually think we should be... It's funny, isn't it? We see more and more people from out of Australia, like Ben Shuri as well, using, um, using Australian ingredients in the way... It seems Australians don't know how to. And Renee Wenzepi when he came here. But things um, like finger limes are beautiful. I'd love to see, actually, Pete. That would be the trend I'd like to see go nuts. I was lucky enough to write an article last year for a newspaper, um, the Herald Sun, can I say that? Yes. But um, about Indigenous ingredients and, and the ones that we can use at home are easy to use and accessible and becoming more and more available, like bush tomatoes and sea parsley and quandongs and... Lemon myrtle is something that we've seen around for a long time. So, but finger limes on um, freshly shucked oysters and things like that. I just let's bring it on. Let's eat more. I think your caller 
was right. Yes, good on you, Lance. Now, I'll just remind people, we're actually going to catch up with Mike Benny next week. It's going to be a bit easier from a technology point of view because I was about to use some technology that I'm completely not familiar with. Um, So uh, one last thing, Hill. I've got one last trend before you rush off and have another gin and tonic. Um, Transparent (laughs) menus, and and I'm not talking about menus you can see through, but menus that have some calorie counts or nutritional values on the menu, a story you know on the wall that explains how people have sourced their ingredients, Um, social media campaigns that profile farmers, and we're sort of seeing that already with, I think Pure South does this beautifully with their Tasmanian producers. Um, Mm -hmm. We're going to see a bit more of that, I think. I think um, farmers... Well, it's not not so the menu looks like an encyclopedia or, or a glossary or something like mm. that. But I think the whole idea of being um, and having and teaching front of house staff just the importance of, and the people that the restaurant and the chef deal with in yeah. the kitchen. It's almost like closing those barriers a bit more. That um, farmers should be celebrities too, if chefs are. I hate the word celebrity, but they, you know, I think we need to put farmers a bit more on the spotlight and, and about what they create and how they create and Melbourne Farmers Markets and Miranda Sharp and all her work sort of yeah. would be great to get um, more spotlight on that, I think. And too, the likes of the guys from Bandara Berkshires and, um, you know, oh, yeah. Anna Kelly and with her lamb and, uh, and uh, Anthony Cumnick and, and yeah, 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 all of that. Yeah. Look, I do have to go, but I have one word for you that it will describe to 2017 bar none. It is Harissa. We are all going to go Harissa. Harissa. There will be Harissa on everything. Really? I thought we'd done that a few years ago. Well, apparently it's back, it's and back. it's going to be back. It's always had more comebacks than Johnny Farnham, I think, but yes. <laughs> it's back with a vengeance, wow. I believe. Well, we've gotten back into spicy foods like fresh turmeric and all and, and fresh horseradish, so yeah, I believe beautiful, that's it. Beautiful. Mm. Okay, All right, love, well, I'll, I'll let you I'll let you chuff off. Now. Yes, and I'll. Um, okay, you have a lovely afternoon. We'll do, and I'll talk. I'll, I'll talk to you again soon. I'm seriously going to be just up the road from you again. I can't believe that we um we don't manage to we'll uh, cross paths soon. Yes, we will. All right, take care, okay, darling. Good to love. Good to talk Thanks to you. Me. Pleasure. That was Hilary McNevin. She is a, a cracking bird, I'll give you that. Um, and uh, talking to us about some of the food trends. And, of course, all of this will be on the podcast, so you can listen again and write something down because we do tend to talk quick and giggle. 17 minutes to two, you're on Cravings. You're on Joy 94.9 with me, Pete Tillon. Joy 94.9 is on air 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But sometimes you can't always be with us when you want to. Here's the solution. Here's the solution. Listen to your favourite Joy 94.9 show anytime with our Joy podcast service. Our team of over 30 volunteers pick out the best bits from around 60 programs that Joy airs each week. Made available to you for free download. To find a podcast of your favourite Joy show, search for us in the Featured Providers section within the iTunes store. Or find them on the Joy website, joy.org.au. Joy Podcasts. Any show, any show, anytime. joy.org.au. We're on the downward stretch. It is 15, well, a quarter to two, I should say, not 15 minutes to two, how very old-fashioned. 34 degrees will be 37 any minute, folks, so I hope you're staying cool wherever you are. Um, that was great to talk to Hill McNevin. We're not going to get to Mike Benny this afternoon. We will catch up with him next week to talk about some wine trends and where things might go with drinks. Um, the top 50 is in Melbourne this year, and uh, Virgilio Martinez will be um, one of those people that's attending. We did have a chat with him a little while ago, but I'm sharing it with you again. Um, and I shall sign off and see you next week. Tad's back in the studio with me next week. We'll have much to talk about, including his uh, cheese-making escapades in Europe. Uh, sorry, in the US. Until then, I've been Pete Dillon. Eat well, stay well. Bye. Virgilio Martinez is a chef like no other. He's from Peru, a former semi-professional skateboarder turned chef whose influence is directed to uh, shamans and high priests who, in some senses, influence what he does. Welcome to Cravings. Hello, how are you? Uh, Happy to be with you, Tucky. Tell me about how you went from being a semi-professional skateboarder to a kitchen. Well, it's not not that... um there's no, there's no much uh, difference about uh, you know, s- s- uh, doing skateboarding and and, 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 and cooking. You know, like uh, you work. I'm a chef and I can't uh, skateboard. Uh, uh, well, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you work uh, long hours. Yes. Yes. Uh, you work uh, with a team, mm-hmm. of course. Yeah, you have teams. Yep. Um, you have to be very hyperactive, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, creative. Right. Yeah. A little bit crazy. Yeah. A lot. Of, a lot of that. Yeah. 
Um, how did uh, looking at your book Central, based on your restaurant in Peru and your elevation, like you focus on the elevation of of the topography of Peru, the elevation of your career to number four in the world. Are you a little bit surprised at how much attention people have paid to what you do? I think now it's kind of, um, you know, uh, I have to pay attention of uh, the expectation of the people about uh, maybe Peru, mm -hmm. which is like a, a, a country full of uh, history and, 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 you know, and tradition and ingredients and biodiversity. So if the restaurant is, is you know, is achieving to, to give you one experience and, and just translate all these uh, things that are happening in Peru, I think the restaurant is gonna be is gonna do good, and uh, yeah, all this, the way that Central is is improving and, and you know getting some attention is because of all these things happening uh, in Peru, and it's just a consequence. The the focus on your restaurant is all about Peru. Everything is Peruvian. I'm assuming if you can't find what you need, then you don't use it. No, that well. <laughs> Well, the, the ideas and the philosophy and, and the whole thing is like very global. I mean, like um, if you see Peru, I mean, if you, if you see Peru, one of the most biodiverse places in in the, in, in the world, and 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 you see the world in Peru. So uh, there are many things that uh, you 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 can find even here, being so far away that uh, probably I wouldn't say that belong to Peru, but uh, I mean that uh, we share. The true the, the, well, the background of Peruvian is. Um, is predominantly based in, in ancient Spanish behaviour, but uh, there's a huge Japanese population in Peru. There's there's great cultural diversity. Do you draw uh, your influence from the diversity of culture, or do you draw your influence from what nature gives you? It's more, it's more driven to by nature and, and driven by, by um, even the pre-Incas time, uh, probably all this ancient uh, culture and knowledge and and. I think what happened after uh, the Spanish came to Peru, it, it was just great. It was just still, it's a, it's a, it's a fusion, a melting, a melting pot. But this is not what Central is doing nowadays. We are like more focused on what's happening in, in, in nature, in, in the Amazon, in the, in the Andes, and even in, in the Pacific uh, coast. And how are you influenced by, um, by shamans and high priests and villages that you go to? How much do they alter the way you think about an ingredient or an idea or a, or a philosophy even around your food? Oh, they are, the, they are actually the, the real knowledge that uh, we need and, and those are our best uh, suppliers on ideas, on, on styles, on not only ingredients. So we, are, we really have to show some respect to, to all these uh, native communities that live in very far away from our cities. And I think, yeah, they're, they're, they're part of Central. So that's why uh, our main goal is to, to just to communicate what's, or promote what's, what's, what's happening over there. Is food for you a, a, a philosophical or, or a spiritual thing rather than something that's practical, rather than just feeding people? There's a, there's a spiritual side to what you do? Oh, yeah, of course. Both things, like what you said, uh, the spiritual and... and, and, and uh, and and it's something that uh, of course um, there is a philosophy behind uh, the whole thing, but yeah, there is a lot of emotions in 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 one experience, even in 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 the kitchen. Uh, everybody is so emotional, and, and you know, the emotion in the kitchen you you probably know is different than the emotion in, in the in dining room. Yes. You know, in the dining room the the, the rhythms are different, so. Um, you have to be. You have tried to be. You, you, at one point, you have, you have tried to be everywhere. In the dining room, they waltz. In the kitchen, they rumba. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. <laughs> um, the diversity of ingredients. I was, I was thinking earlier about your the similarity between yourself and, and to some degree, Alex Atala, who I know um, from Dom in Sao Paulo, works with um, Amazonian tribes and, and sort of grows into the community and becomes a part of the community and supports the community to not just go in and take that. There's, there's a bit of give back, and I understand your philosophy is very much like that. Yeah, I mean, uh, we, we we just can't uh, build a relationship with a, uh, if if you don't if you don't give something, and and, and I'm not saying about you know just 
giving paying a check or giving something like like that. It's just giving your time and you know. Uh, you know, promotion, uh, good com uh, conversations, uh, and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I think we have to b work. Uh, nowadays, they are our best suppliers, and I was telling you, like, best suppliers on ideas, and and and, and actually, they actually motivate uh, our work every single day. So, we still have to visit um, these uh, communities um, probably every week, and and we actually we need a team to to do that. Uh, now we work with the other artists and, and artists and people that really are keen to 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 and keen and, and very sensible to to understand what's what's happening what's what happened in these in these communities. Virgilio Martinez is from Central in Peru. His restaurant is number four on the San Pellegrino Top 50. The Top 50 is about to come out again, um, and it times well with the release of your book, Central. Um, talk to me about the book and, and how you determined what the book would, would look like, not just from a visual point of view, but um, that is able to chart your, your journey, I suppose. It's a book about uh, an exploration of, of, of Peru, which um, has a strong uh, message of preservation of natural ecosystems uh, in the world. So it's, it's how, well, Peru could be an example of, uh, because of where we live in this biodiverse um, geography, um, we can show that we can do something with food and, and how food is connecting us. And, and we, you know, we just made a book um, based on different altitudes, and which is very, I wouldn't say complex, but it needs certainly challenging. It needs sometimes to, to 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 have a good read and 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 think about you know very important things. So it's a thinking man's book. It's not a cook's book. <laughs> <laughs> well, both, you know. Yeah, both. Yeah. Um, tell me about your childhood. How, growing up, what did what? How did you see the world when you were little? Well, I used to, I used to live uh, very, uh, by the sea, so I had I had lots of uh, connection with uh, fishermen and. and, and uh, but yeah, I lived I lived in in, in Peru where where Peru was uh, difficult. Uh, you know, the Shining Path, terrorism, and, and uh, economy was wasn't wasn't good. So it was like um, we had this this all these uh, ideas of just leaving Peru or you know moving to another country. Which is not is not happening now. I mean, like now um, we are so Peruvians. We are so 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 happy to be Peruvians and so so happy to to, to you know to to visit uh, different parts of Peru where probably before we were, we were not able to go because it was dangerous. Mm. So you you now travel the world. You cook with chefs all over the world. Um, what little pieces of of their knowledge or their experience do you pick up and take with you? Well, I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm, I'm coming not for for recipes. I'm coming for for their philosophies. Like like here in Attica, I see Benz how how he he works with with uh, with his uh, team and how he 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 uses some ingredients and how he, he talks and, and for me that's very important. So uh, whenever I had a chance to, to to travel and and see different restaurants, for me it's the whole learning and. And of course, it's a, for me, it's, good for, it's, it's a promotion of what I do. And at the end, of course, I want people to go to, to Peru, Peru and, and experience, not central, experience what's, what's Peru. We've seen a, a huge growth in um, our understanding of and our appreciation for uh, Central and South America. And if I look at look at us globally um, I think for about the last four or five years people keep telling me the next big thing in Australia is Peruvian cuisine is there a way to identify Peruvian cuisine like we would say Italian or Chinese or French I think the, 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 in this in these days it's diff, very difficult now to put a label like before like this is Chinese this is Italian this is French I mean like now to say this is Peruvian is like it's very difficult because uh, what is it like is it Amazonian is it Andean is it uh, Limian is it Creole is it uh, Chinese Peruvian which is Chifa is it Nikkei which is Japanese Peruvian so so just to put a label on what's Peruvian food is, is quite difficult and and uh, I think it's just like um, the way these things are now. It's like um, there are many cuisines and and, and different uh, concepts, and 
most of them are well uh, hardly hardly influenced by 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 different cuisines uh, is this your first trip to australia this is the second one yeah both in melbourne yes uh, what um what draws you here what what makes you want to come back well uh, you know what uh, every time in Cent- in central i have like um i have like probably two tables coming from australia and I get a long conversation with Australians. I'm mostly people from Melbourne. And we're, we're the classy ones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, Australia is a fascinating uh, country. Uh, I see all the, the ingredients that you have, and, and it's like Peru, like ingredients that you have, but you don't know them, and and you find difficult to 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 show to your to your guests or you find difficult to promote them and and i think we have lots of similitudes and being so far away you know and have you found an ingredient here in australia that you like to work with and you'd love to have in peru well, um, the obvious one, uh, kangaroo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to prove it. But you have lots of llamas here, I right know. Yeah. yeah, yeah, alpaca, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. More than Peru, more than in Peru, you know. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, I'm gonna steal some kangaroos and do the same. Is there? Um, there's a project you have that's quite close to your heart that is not in the kitchen. It's sort of kind of your research arm um, or your your discovery space tell me about that project yeah that's called matter initiative and uh, we 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 did that because we had the need of of of, have a, of having a team to do what we were doing by ourselves and at one point we we found out that we didn't have any we didn't have much time we didn't have sponsors and it was difficult to 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 do what we were doing, which was like just register ingredients that were not part of our gastronomy uh, knowledge. So um, we start to talk about like uh, working with different disciplines and um, understanding our our territory, our geography, and in different aspects. You know, so nowadays we work with anthropologists, artists, and um, different disciplines and. And this this team is just you know like um, is promoting our culture, of course, promoting our, our ingredients, and also, well, actually nowadays is kind of the soul of what's happening in Central because if this, without this knowledge, there's no no Central to do. It's been a pleasure to meet you. I know you've got to get back to the kitchen and brief some chefs on a, at a dinner tonight. Um, the book is published by Fiden. It's a beautiful book. Um, every good bookstore will have your book, of course. And it's been a delight to meet you. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much. Thanks for listening to another Cravings podcast with Pete Dillon online at joy.org.au forward slash cravings and live Saturdays from 1pm on Joy 94.9 in Melbourne. Exploring all that's finest in food and beverage across Melbourne and Victoria. Sponsored by La Spaghettata. Over 35 years of food, family and fun at 238 Ligon Street, Carlton. Wine and dine with La Spaghettata for an authentic Italian experience. Pasta, wine, seafood, steak and so much more. Dine in and enjoy the authentic sights and sounds of Ligon Street. Or order takeaway now via Deliveroo, Uber Eats or Fedora. Eat, drink, love with La Spaghettata. Call 9663 6102. Visit lasspaghettata.com.au or find them on Facebook. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.